Hello, I'm Kevin Barrett of Truth Jihad Radio with a very important public health message. A meta-analysis of 3,648 randomized controlled trials has determined that people who listen to Truth Jihad Radio are 93% less susceptible to mainstream media hypnosis than non-listeners. So don't be a Manchurian candidate. Don't let the mainstream media hypnotize you. Deprogram yourself. Listen to Truth Jihad Radio. And please consider subscribing at the subscribe at Substack button, which you can find by going to truthjihad.com. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome to the special live edition of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth at any cost, at any price, uh, and let the let the whole world crumble. The truth must be told. And I always define the truth, I believe, in listening to different viewpoints, people who have interesting and perhaps seemingly well-informed takes on the most important issues. So many of those takes are excluded from mainstream discourse. I bring them on here as an aid to helping us find out what's really going on today. Way outside the box stuff. In the second half hour, Eric Zeus comes on to discuss George Soros's Nazi activism during World War II and the looming World War III that confronts us. Then in the second hour, this is way outside the box. Sterling Carwood, you have reached coming on John. to claim I that your wife so is doing a good message, job. You won't get to talk now, that's to the me. most Thanks. outrageous Bye. conspiracy theory I've ever heard in my life. Joe Biden is doing a good job. Since when could, <laughs> could anybody try to make that case, especially a, a lawyer and philosophy professor like Sterling Harwood? He should be ashamed of himself. I can't wait to bring him on here and give him a piece of my mind as he tries to defend Joe Biden. Oh, my goodness. That should be a pretty wild and crazy second hour. All right. Well, we're here in the, the first half hour and we're trying to get a hold of John Hankey. John Hankey is a filmmaker, the director of the Dark Legacy films on the assassination of JFK Jr., and more recently, COVID-19 Inside Job. A very interesting exploration of where COVID really came from. Okay, so we're going to bring John on today to discuss his bizarre... Hi, you have reached John. I screen my calls, so if you don't leave me a message, you won't get to talk to me. Thanks, well, Bye. Texas Elementary School may have been by a Manchurian candidate. Okay, that part's not bizarre. The bizarre part is that he thinks that the motive was not to promote gun control, but rather to change the topic of the debate to gun control. And he thinks that this actually benefits Republicans rather than Democrats. So blame the Republicans. Whoa. OK, that's interesting. Let's see what John has to say. If we can get him on, it seems that his uh, his phone isn't answering. We've had this kind of problem before. Uh, last week, there was a technical issue 
that stopped Eric Zeus from getting on. Eric's going to be on in the second hour tonight. We figured out his technical issue, but now we're trying to get John Hankey's fixed. So let me see if uh, I can figure out where John Hankey is. Oh, it says he's on. There he is. There's his face. Hello, John. Are you there? Well, his face is there, but his voice isn't. Uh, I wonder if there is one of those devices blocking the anonymous calls on John's phone. It's the kind of thing I would expect would have happened. So uh, let me tell John that we are we are calling you. Answer. We are calling, but your phone is refusing us. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, gosh. He, he thinks it's Zoom. I can't believe it. John, I told you a million times. I told you it, it is Skype or phone. We are we are calling your phone. Everybody seems to think it's Zoom these days. You know, those of us who are still using Skype are widely viewed as dinosaurs. I hear people saying things like Skype. What's that? Or oh, I stopped using Skype years ago, and I told them that's exactly what Bill. Why did you do? Bill Gates, what up? Hi, you have reached Precisely. John. So screen my call so if you don't leave me a message, you won't get to talk to me. Thanks. On to platforms that were designed to spy on people. So, unfortunately, uh, everybody should use Skype. Everybody should insist on using Skype. Everybody should avoid all these platforms, these newfangled platforms that are all designed for you to be spied on. But, hey, a lot of folks haven't figured that out yet. Okay, so I just emailed John. And maybe he will figure out what's going on. Uh, he'll either come on to his Skype account, and I think we have that, or he will do something to make it possible to pick up his phone. Um, it's funny. My conspiracy radio guests often do seem to get a little clunky at some of these details about how to connect with the show. <laughs> it has happened more than once. Uh, it's the hazards of doing Hi, Kevin. Hey, John, how are you doing? Um, well, I have pulled out a few hairs trying to get Zoom to work, but um, <laughs> well, Zoom is here we are talking we on the Zoom. phone. Yeah, yeah. We we don't use Zoom here at Revolution Radio. We only use Skype or phone. And I, I thought I told you that. Anyway, it's oh Skype. But I was expecting oh Skype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I should have logged into Skype. Yeah, these days when you say Skype, people just hear Zoom. Sometimes it's. I think Bill Gates has implanted yes. that in people's brains. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. Bill, Bill doesn't want oh. you to. Use, no, they don't want you to use Skype. Microsoft is trying to destroy Skype so nobody uses it because Skype was built back before they engineered these things for spying on people. So Skype is pretty secure. It's hard for them to. They can't I spy see. on you and sell your data. And even the CIA, NSA, and so on have a hard time listening to you when you're on Skype. That's why you should use Skype yeah. and not Zoom. I apologize for not paying attention that it was. Skype. Anyway, I was looking for, you know, I thought I, I had hoped you could send me an email link, but uh, never mind. Yeah, Here no, we there's, are. there's no, no yeah. such thing as an email link to Skype. You just call the guy on the Skype. And, and anyway, we got you. And I want to hear your take on the Uvalde Elementary School shooting, because I think you got half of it right for sure. That is, <laughs> if if if. You know, if this is some kind of if it's more than what it appears, it's likely that it really there really was a shooting. And if anybody start, like Jim Fetzer starts screaming, nobody died, nobody died. That's probably wrong. And so pe people probably really did die and they were probably really shot. And it very well may have been by a Manchurian candidate. You got that part right. So tell us why you suspect that. Well, and we only have like probably 15 minutes, right? 
No, we, we've got we got 22 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Um, see, I think that that's a, a point I'd like to come back to and look at the stuff that's less controversial and more outrageous. Um, do you have a problem with that? Not really. Uh, so what do you, what what do you want to start say? with? Well, just that there's these screaming anomalies. I mean, you know, you, you sent me the thing that, the, oh, man, Uvalde, the parents are so furious. The cops waited for 50 minutes. And today there was a press conference. Well, here's a clue for you. But, I mean, this is there's so many parallels with you – know, your audience should know that I'm an expert on JFK Jr.'s murder. And I should have, I meant to, I should have sent you a link and I will. Um, but you know, if you, if you type in legacy two or the assassination of JFK Hanky, you can bring it up and you can watch yeah, it. For I, free. I you can go it. to it's crime and it's linked at the radio blog. Yeah. People go oh, to, okay, go to truthjihad.com, click on the radio blog and you'll find it. Well, and so, and if you watch that, you get a real most people don't know anything about Manchurian candidates. Jesse Ventura did a really stunning hour program um, in which one of the people he has, he, the guy's walking right next to him, they program the guy to limp when he gets a phone call from somebody who's participating, a psychologist who's participating, who says Rosebud, and the guy starts to limp. And Jesse Ventura says to the guy, why are you limping? And the guy says, what are you talking about? And Jesse Ventura says, you're limping. And the guy says, no, I'm not. And they're walking along, and the guy's limping. Anyway, um, hypnotism is a very, very powerful thing. And with JFK Jr., there was all this evidence that he was murdered. And the, I hope your people are paying attention, because this is an essential point to understanding Uvalde. The, the rescue for John Kennedy Jr. was delayed by 15 and a half hours. The head of the the guy who signed the NTSB report told me that they would have known where the plane went down before it hit the water, and it took them 15 and a half hours to send the first rescue craft there. Today, you can read angry news articles written by angry news people about how outrageous the behavior of the police has been, and how they keep changing their stories. And all the, the police have just treated the reporters like dirt. It's crazy. The 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 uh, which is exactly parallel with JFK Jr. Okay, okay, now John, right, with, with with JFK Jr. they called, they didn't want to rescue, so they they took, you know, they waited a long time to even try a rescue, and and probably the reason for that would be the same. You know, they, they, sometimes when they try to kill somebody, professional killers, uh, they don't quite kill them. Like Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't dead, so they had to smug, smother him with a pillow. Uh, uh, Bill Pepper got that. He was on my show uh, finishing that story a while back. Uh, William, General Patton uh, didn't die from the special kind of assassin's weapon that shot him. Uh, and well, so they had to kill him in the hospital, too. And Princess too, Diana, honey. Princess Diana had to be killed in the ambulance. She survived the car oh, crash. No kidding. Yeah. No so, so, kidding. So, that, yeah. so that's why they, they don't want rescues because they, uh, they, they really want these people to oh, die and they don't want to have to finish them off. Well, he hit well, the water at 250 school? miles an hour. He hit the water at 250 miles an hour. Everybody was dead. That's not why. You would think. Delayed. You would think. And the question is, why the hell did they delay it? And if you interrupt me, we're not going to get through this. But, it, you, know, I'm, I, you know, listen, all praise and glory, I really deeply respect you, but we have a very limited time here. 
and that was that was not helpful. Um, they didn't delay it because he wasn't dead after hitting the water at 250 miles an hour. The question is, why the hell did they delay it? Because it was just an outrage, right? I mean, the Kennedys were screaming at 11 o'clock. They were screaming, trying to get the, NT, the FAA to begin a search, and they couldn't do it at 6 a.m., um, Edward Kennedy woke up Clinton and said, won't you please make these bastards get some planes in the air? And Clinton told him to get planes in the air. And they went and searched Long Island Sound when they knew the exact location of the plane crash before it hit the water, says the guy who signed the NTSB report. But so why, why this thumb in the eye to the Kennedy family that they would delay the search for 15 and a half hours? What the hell's going on? So there's a question, put it up in the corner. Why did they delay the, the thing? But then with Uvalde, you have to ask these questions. Why did they delay the rescue? Jesus Christ, 50, five, zero minutes, 19 cops waiting in the hallway for five, zero minutes before they went in and killed the shooter. And as near as I can tell, they went in and killed the shooter and the shooter didn't get off a shot anyway. Um, so the reason they so they also announced the thing that really set my hair on end was that I had heard the morning, right hours after the plane crash, I heard on probably NPR that there was a flight instructor on the plane because the woman uh, who was waiting for the plane to arrive, um, Carol Radowell, um had told the Coast Guard that there was a flight instructor on the plane. John always flew with a flight instructor. He needed to fly with a flight instructor for all sorts of reasons. And if we had a, a much longer opportunity, I'd, I'd go into all of that. But at noon, approximately that same day, the, right the day after the plane crash, the Pentagon takes over and announces that there was no flight instructor on the plane. Well, nobody saw the plane take off. Nobody, then, nobody saw the interior of the cabin of the plane as it took off. Nobody knew whether there was a flight instructor on the plane, but they announced that there wasn't one. And I draw a line between that and them, that a police description uh, of Oswald going out over the police radio before nobody had seen a Oswald in the sixth floor window. There's, right, You can't point to a witness who provided that description that went out over the police radio. Well, you can't point to a solid witness who could have, that no one could have had justification for denying that there was a, a flight instructor on the plane. So that's a screaming red flag, right? What the hell's going on? Why are they denying the presence of a flight instructor when they don't know? And secondly, there's just all this overwhelming evidence. She does that, protest too much. Uh, I'm sorry? Uh, my lady yes, does protest too much. Yeah. Way too much. And and she's protesting about something that she knows nothing about. So you know, if you don't know anything about it, why why are you opening your mouth? So so we now have some focus on this flight instructor and the fact that they say that there wasn't one. That should be drawing our attention. And you can then focus in on it, and you find out that one of Kennedy's flight instructors is missing. Okay, all right. It gets more and more interesting. And then you look at the NTSB report, and that plane. It's a suicide. The plane is flying along. It's doing just fine. It contacts the tower, and then it rockets straight down. And I'm going through the 350 pages of the NTSB report now. Um, who Somebody crashed a plane recently, and it doesn't 
uh, of Kobe Bryant. The Kobe Bryant report is probably 50 pages. And if you, you crash a plane, the report will probably be five pages. But for John Kennedy Jr., it was 350 pages. And in that 350 pages, there's this thing that says the fuel control valve was found in the off position. And I called up a bunch of flight instructors, and they all said, man, that's the weirdest shit we ever heard. Excuse me. Can I say words like that? Uh, no, you that's just got fined uh, 50 cents. You have to send it to my P.O. box. I will do I will do that. Um, you have to give me a flag when I'm running out of time. Anyway, um, 10 minutes at least. Yeah. So yeah. You might, We might let you go over a couple um, of minutes. Okay. Well, so anyway, so the it was a suicide somebody on that plane committed suicide and it might not have been jfk jr but it somebody did and here's the fuel valve in the opposition and so i'm calling around to these flight instructors and one of them says well geez you know that's really curious because egypt air 990 the the pilot one of the five pilots on egypt air 990 which was full of egyptian military people flying out of new york crashed 100 miles away from where John Kennedy Jr.'s plane went down a hundred days later. And this guy grabbed the steering yoke and pushed it forward so that the plane went plummeting down. Four pilots grabbed him and tried to drag him away from the controls. And he turned around and turned, he turned the fuel control valve to off. So that in both of these, we have two planes with just, just this screaming irregularity of the fuel control valve being in the off position. And I would argue that that's, way too screaming a rarity and anomaly to be a coincidence a hundred yeah. days apart and a hundred miles apart. It, they yeah. have to be connected. And, and of course, every, everybody, in Egypt thinks, had, everybody in Egypt thinks the Mossad uh, sent the Manchurian candidate to kill the Egyptian army people. Um, I think they, I haven't seen that. What I've seen is they all think the Mossad did it. And they, they say that it was a, a missile. But, um, you know, there's a, this NTSB report, and the NTSB report doesn't, doesn't show a missile, would, and it would if there were. It shows that there was a suicidal pilot, but everybody in Egypt recognizes that this pilot was not suicidal. So they rejected that story because the pilot wasn't suicidal. Well, I got news for you. John Kennedy Jr. was also not suicidal, and, and I won't go into all of the evidence for it. But, you know, it, it's hard to get depressed when you hear a multimillionaire and have a beautiful wife and and a successful magazine, and, and all the world loves you, right? People Magazine just voted you most sexiest man of the year. And there's still so much to be depressed about. So, it, the, the right, but obviously, when audience, there's a Manchurian candidate, whether or not somebody's depressed is, is irrelevant. Well, of course. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that to all of us. But yes, <laughs> um, well, well, it isn't irrelevant. Because when the powers that be say that it's a suicide, the fact that the guy isn't depressed, that's relevant to the fact that it wasn't a suicide. There must be some other explanation. And I don't know if people know about Sirhan Sirhan, but Google Sirhan Sirhan, that one of the most prestigious psychologists at Yale studied Sirhan Sirhan and testified for his um his hearing to try to get released from prison, that he was programmed absolutely without the slightest shadow of a doubt. This guy figured out what the trigger was and he can say the trigger and get Sirhan to, to reach for a gun in his pocket and pull out an empty hand and start firing an, an empty hand like a gun. 
at something in front of him that when you wake him up, he doesn't know that he did it and he doesn't know what he saw. So this stuff is real, right? We're not, we're not monkeying around. This is very real stuff. And, and Robert Kennedy certainly, well, the, the shot that killed Kennedy had powder burns on the back of his head was not fired by Sir Han, who never got within four feet of Kennedy. Anyhow. Right. Okay. So, so, so Manchurian candidates are all too real and people can watch Manchurian your film. Manchurian candidates are all too real. Yeah. And uh, one uh, of the screaming red flags is when you have this anomaly. And so it's, it's an anomaly for somebody to shoot their mother that they love or their grandmother that they love. That's unusual. It's also unusual for somebody with no motive whatsoever, not only to shoot their mother or their grandmother in the case of Uvalde, and then get in a car and drive a mile to a school and get out and walk in and kill a bunch of kids. Who does that? And I don't know. I couldn't come up with another shooting where the, you know, you can find Nazis who shoot Jewish kids and you could find that, that racist in Buffalo who would have shot black kids if he could have got him in front of his gun. Um, but you, you know, you the, got, you got IDF soldiers who shoot down Palestinian kids like it's going out of style. Well, but they're motivated by their racism. They don't, mm. people don't go into schools and shoot kids with no motive. And neither the Sandy Hook shooter nor the um, Uvalde shooter had any motive whatsoever. And I wasn't positive. I didn't feel positive that Sandy Hook was programmed until I saw Uvalde. And I said, holy crap, in John Kennedy Jr., they used exactly the same programming for both pilots. John Kennedy Jr.'s flight instructor had been programmed by exactly the same people in exactly the same fashion as the pilot on Egypt Air 990. And we come to see that the shooter in Sandy Hook was programmed in exactly the same fashion as the shooter in Uvalde. But let's set that aside and look at some other stuff that is much less controversial, but still out just crazy outrageous, which is that. These 19 cops sat in the hallway and waited for 50 minutes. Now, I listened to the press conference of the guy's name is McCraw, and he's the head of the Texas Rangers, I think, or maybe he's the, the head of the Department of Public Safety, whatever. He explained that, you know, Texas, they're big gun people and they're big, they're big training, right? They have very, very, very serious active duty, active shooter training and in that active shooter training that every law enforcement official whatever the agency is that they're working for every law this guy's this is McCraw's training has received extensive training in active shooter and the training includes that one you don't accept orders from anybody two you don't look for approval from anybody three you don't look for body body armor before you get in and you kill that shooter as quickly as you can, because five, especially if he's in a school, he's killing kids every time the clock goes tick. Yeah, that's and kind so of a no-brainer, isn't it? I wouldn't say that, but in any case, well, if that's, it mean, is that, what it is. Once the training is what that's, it is, yeah. So that the so training why, is why, what why it did is these brainer or no-brainer? Yeah, so why did these why did these cops not do what they're supposed to do? No shit. Sorry, that's uh, a dollar. Okay, yeah, Why that's a dollar now. PO Box 221, Lone Rock, Wisconsin, 53556. Thank you.
without a question, it, it, it became very clear that, that because the, the, the guy at the press conference, the head of the Department of Public Safety, talks about the fact he says that one, that someone at among those 19 made the decision that this was not an active shooter anymore. This was a barricaded shooter, that all the kids were dead. And so we don't need to, to storm the classroom anymore. Now, I don't buy that. Well, what could possibly go wrong? He, he couldn't possibly kill any more kids, right? No, never. That couldn't possibly happen. How, there, how do you know that? There couldn't, there couldn't possibly be wounded kids laying on the floor bleeding right. out. And, no you know, kidding. If, if, you hate, if you hate the news, you should watch these press conferences because the, the reporters will make you – they'll do your heart good. The news doesn't suck. It's not full of lies because the reporters are no good. These reporters are just going after this guy. And, you know, because the kids in the classroom were making calls to 911 and the reporter's hand goes up and says the kids in the in the room are laying on the floor surrounded by blood and bodies and they are calling 911 and you have the transcript. The guy read the really Oh, it's just heartbreaking transcript of the calls of these kids to the 911 operators. And their reporter says, why wouldn't the police have been being advised by the 911 operators of the fact that these kids are alive in the classroom and making these calls? And it doesn't matter. I mean, what what that cop said, McCrew, it's just such pure garbage. You have kids who are on the floor bleeding out. How could you not have kids? who are on the floor bleeding out, well, screw them. <laughs> what, what, wait a minute. But you see, that screw them goes against, it's, you see, Columbine is the event that changed active shooter policy in throughout this country to say what we just talked about, that if there's an active shooter at a school, you don't take orders from anybody that, that aren't go get them, and you don't look for any any approval from anybody and you don't look for body armor and you don't look for a helmet, you grab your gun and you go put a bullet in that guy and you take in an oath that that's what you're going to do. So, um, so that whoever it is, and of of course we're not going to name him because this isn't a free country and we don't have a free press and we're not entitled to this sort of information as to the name of the person on the scene. The guy, you know, the McCrew makes reference to this guy 10 or 15 times because he's getting all of these phone calls about why the hell did these guys not go after the shooter and kill him for 55 zero minutes now. So that's one guy who should be doing 20 years at hard labor until he tells us who gave him the order not to let anybody go into that classroom. And, and this is this like what happened in Parkland, Florida, too. There was a similar situation where they didn't go in uh, really? for way too long. I believe. Yes, hello. Really? Yeah. yeah hey, I, hey uh, not... hi, Eric. Uh, Eric Zeus is yes. our guest. Eric, hang on for a few more minutes as John Hankey uh, finishes describing this huge mystery from the uh, Uvalde shooting. Why did the police sit around outside the school for almost an hour before they went in after the shooter? Um, I can't talk about that. And, and... Yeah, so we'll let John finish on that. Yeah, go ahead, John. Okay. Um, sorry. Hey, Eric. 
Yes, I can. I, I wish I had something to contribute to that, but I don't want to talk off the top of my well, head and just not, not. You you can listen and you might hear something that, that's worth talking about. Well, so let me give you one. Okay, here's. Yeah. Um, but but they should be telling us the name of that guy, and he should be up on charges, and he should be facing at least mandatory twenty years in prison for the his his part. And the death of these, all of these kids. Oh my God! Anyway. Oh yes, but you but know, we, but they're uh, not. You know, uh, but you know, I'm I'm much much more more concerned about the structural and the institutional issues that are involved here. Specifically, the rape that the uh, uh, um, U.S. Supreme Court did in in their decision calling the Second Amendment an amendment granting a private right to own guns, not a right for st- state militia members to own guns. I've written an article about this. Uh, uh, but, if, but Eric, uh, okay, just if, hold on, if, hold on if, for if a second. Mind. Yeah, John, John's interpretation of the shooting actually uh, isn't going to help your case here, Eric, because John's interpretation... Yeah, yeah let, let's just fill Eric I don't in really quickly. Want to uh, talk about the Second Amendment. My case is well, only no, no, about no, the wait, Constitution. Wait, 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 Eric, just, just hold on and listen for I, a while, I'm Eric. Con- I am just, concerned just, there's only about the U.S. Constitution, right, right, right. not so, Eric, about just, just, the, right, right. What, what, yes. what we're talking about here is that John is an expert on uh, programmed Manchurian candidates. Uh, we are suggesting that this event looks like a false flag with a programmed Manchurian candidate. And it looks like the people who did it are the top authorities in the land who gave the orders that filtered down eventually to the federal agents who stood around outside the Uvalde school for almost an hour, <laughs> well, might be not, true. not interfering with the slaughter of the children inside the school because they were under orders from the top. If you if you want the only people in, in this country to have guns being the federal authorities who carry out these atrocities, no, then go no, ahead. Your interpretation no. of the Second Amendment. Well, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying, Eric. I'm, we're going to hang up on you, and I'm going to talk for the full hour with John if you don't let him finish. Okay, go ahead, John. Yes. All right. Thank you. The, 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 I'm, I'm not interested in talking about the Second Amendment. This is not that it's not an important issue. That's right now. I'd like to talk about what happened in Uvalde, and I'd like to drop a bomb on you, which is that. So you have these kids, God almighty, laying on the floor of this classroom next to their dead friends, next to their bleeding, dying friends. Oh, my God. One of the one of the reporters talks about how this girl told her, the reporter, about how they had to hold their hands over the mouth of their friend who had been shot in the leg so that she wouldn't scream and attract the shooter so that he could come over and kill them all. What a great story. Meanwhile, all these 19 cops armed to the teeth are sitting out in the hallway doing nothing. And one of the little boys, this this stuff is getting into the news. One of the little boys describes how someone came to the window and said, is there anybody in there who needs help? And one little Uh. girl said, yes, please help us. And the shooter killed her. And do you know what the cops did? Nothing for 30 minutes guaranteed that this is one of the things you can glean from this press conference, that that transaction had to have taken place at least 30 minutes before they went in and killed the shooter. Who the hell is calling into the window anybody in there need help in order to provoke the shooter to kill any survivors? Who would do such a thing? And 
you now so so let's let's take that question and put it up in the corner. Who the hell would do such a thing to facilitate the? You see, program shooters tend to lose focus. Program people, period, tend to lose focus. So, and I'll give you an example, which is that the shooter crashes his truck in front of the school, hops out, and walks over to the school and is wandering around the school and then starts shooting random bullets into the school. Well, now, let's put it in park for just a second, at which point the, the who the hell doesn't hear these bullets going into the school? And, the, you know, there's several teachers who are on the phone, and the principal is not getting on the loudspeaker telling everybody to lock their doors. He's not sending the custodial staff around to lock all the doors. They're doing nothing while this guy is shooting random bullets into the, into the windows of the classrooms, but he, had, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. And then the school cop who is mysteriously missing, and let me say that, the school cop is mysteriously missing. There's a, supposed to be an armed school cop there, and he's missing. And one of the reporters raises his hand and asks McCrew, well, where was the school cop? And McCrew shits his pants. He, 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 he looks like he's been asked, you know, uh, what were you doing at that whorehouse at two o'clock in the morning? And, you know, we have photographs and fingerprints and the testimony of the whores. He, he looks like he's really been caught with his pants down. That's how he sounds. And humming, 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 I don't know, and I can't tell you. Well, that's because the original story was that was that the school officer got shot and then they changed the story and said, oh, actually, he wasn't there. I never heard that he got shot. I heard that. Yeah, that was the first shots that he exchanged shots. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He engaged with the shooter and that he exchanged shots with the shooter. But says McCrew, he drove up in his car and the shooter saw him and ducked. And then McCrew backed up and to where the shooter was and then the shooter went into the building. So what the school cop did is he's AWOL until the shooter is is foundering and is just wandering around and, and firing random shots and putting the school on alert so that the shooter shouldn't be able to gain entry. And I think that I think they must have broken the locks for the shooter to be able to have gained entry after shooting, I don't know, four or five at least. Um, as McCrew describes it, random shots into the building and they don't immediately run around and lock all the doors. I can't figure that one out. The teachers, all the teachers have to do is lock the doors to their classrooms. The door, the locks must have been broken. That would be my guess because you can't persuade me that the teachers whose classrooms are being shot into, it didn't occur to them to lock the doors. I think it probably did. Anyhow, anyhow. So if you strip it down to the, to the bare bones, this mysterious cop ushered the shooter into the classrooms. He reminded him, you're not supposed to be outside. You're supposed to be inside. Now get your ass in there. And so he shepherded him into the school building. And then after 20 minutes or so, and and he stopped firing, somebody went in and shepherded him, facilitated him, helped him and reminded him, Oh, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Hey, little girl, call out. So this guy, Anybody alive in there so that you can call out so this guy can shoot at you, please? And so he did. But and you, you, you take those two stories, um, the one about the, the 50-minute wait and the 19 cops who all had sworn an oath that they, 
would let nothing stand in their way from going in and stopping a shooter. You take that and add it to this, to the, the cop who ushered the kid, the shooter into the school and the guy who goes, the facilitator who goes to the window and reminds the, the shooter, Hey, there's, there's still kids alive. You need to finish the job. When you put all of those together, I, the, the issue of Manchurian candidate, I, I feel sort of fades into the background. But when you take the just insane anomalies, right. Of, Sandy Hook of shooting your mama and then going into the school completely unmotivated motivated to shoot your mama and completely unmotivated to shoot these poor little kids. And then you have exactly the same wildly strange uh, anomaly phenomenon going on in Uvalde. You can't persuade me that those guys were not both programmed by the same programmers. Well, and then you have this stuff about how the shooter would lose focus which to me suggests that he was programmed and yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I mean, these, he's not these really all, conscious. These are all kind of red flags, aren't they? Well, let, let's try getting Eric Zeus back. I think we we missed we lost him, and uh, so if our trusty producer could uh, call Eric back and see if we can get him back on because we, we went a little long. Apparently, he got impatient and and dropped out. Um, but uh, if not, John, I'm going to have to pump your brains on this a little bit more because it, it does seem like these anomalies uh, are pointing in the direction of some kind of operation that would have high level protection. And we know that such things do happen with uh, unfortunate frequency in this country. Do we? <laughs> and, and then there's well, the issue. Well, yeah. Issue, yeah. The issue of the motive. Right. And, uh, well, the people who did 9-11, all of those people are really high ranking, but they're they're all taking orders from somebody who's even more high-ranking. Anyhow, I'm I'm not under the impression that George H. that George W. Bush was in on it. He he acted like he he wasn't like he right. He acted like the shooter, right? He had to be reminded, and he was constantly needing to be shepherded his way around. But um, so well, well, that, that's a, that's a, like a need to know thing, and and the president doesn't need to know very much. Right, <laughs> not especially if if his middle name is W. Anyhow, there you go. Oh my goodness. And anyhow, so let's talk about motive for a second. And in the the FK Junior plane crash, it's really, 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 and it's always right. Talking about motives, it's always really, really hard to discern. And maybe I should talk about Vietnam for a second. Which when I was in college, people were saying, "Oh, the Vietnam War. They, it's because there's oil deposits off the coast of Vietnam." And, you know, these are really, this is, you see Santa Cruz, these are really smart people, and they're just totally wrong. Um, but, so what was the point of the Vietnam War? The point of the Vietnam War was military budgets, and, you know, I won't spend another minute on it, but, oh, Archimedes Patty, P-A-T-T-I, that's the guy. He was, he was the head of the OSS in Vietnam, and he says that the point was military budgets. Anyhow, so it, it takes some finessing, and with JFK Jr., what was the motive and who did it and so on. And the, the only motive that I could come up with was I've had people say, Oh, Hillary Clinton killed him because he was planning to run for Senate. And he was not, he had been interviewed, mm -hmm. you know, 30 times probably. And in every interview, he said emphatically that he was not running for public office because he knew how it would destroy his family. And he wasn't ready that his, his, you know, his relationship with his wife was, you know, she's kind of a princess, right? And and she wasn't gonna she hated the publicity. Well, if your 
wife hates publicity. Don't run. Yeah, why don't be named Kennedy and run? <laughs> well, well, you you can if, if he lets you stay in the background. But if you run for office, that's over with. Anyhow, um, what finally well, occurred to yeah, me? Okay, keep it short though, because we, we with you know people can or have watched your dark legacy, and the motive there actually isn't that hard to discern, uh, given that John Jr. was interested in exposing the people who killed his father and uncle. <laughs> Well, that's dark legacy too. Okay, well, fine. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, but but the motive for the school shooting is, is difficult. What I argue is that he was making his bones. That his his father, you know, John, because dark legacy is the one that just nails poor little George H. W. Bush to a cross. But it, it does allow me to pat myself on the back for a second. But you know, I've been reading the reviews. It just nails George H. W. Bush and his connection, his involvement in. The Kennedy assassination, and he got named in two FBI memos, and his father was was a senator and arguably the secret head of the CIA. The evidence for that is really powerful, and it doesn't matter. He's he's a really enormously powerful person, and he sends his son to the front lines where he is so close to the events that he gets named both by um, Bush. I'm sorry, by Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover names him. And in, this, in a, a memo entitled Assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, well, that's not a comfortable comfortable memo to get named in anyhow. Um, so the, the question then, the really, really difficult question is what's the motive in this shooting? And I don't need anybody to agree with me, and I give, I'm under the impression that you're not going to. But I sent um, Kevin today this uh, New York Times article talking about how the Republicans, every Republican candidate is running on guns and the issue of guns. No Democratic candidate is mentioning guns. It's it's 100 percent versus like 5 percent. Um, that is to say, 100 percent of the Republicans are talking about Second Amendment rights and 5 percent of the Democrats are talking about doing something about guns. And, and, and John, why, why is that? everybody's since the poll, the polls show that uh, more voters I, lean in favor of gun control than against it. So why why is this? Because it works. But how <laughs> because, can it work? Because the Republicans the Republicans don't have a majority. What they do is they win. And you, you wrote this to me. They win in these small states, and the way that they win in the small states is running on issues like um, abortion and gun control. And they don't give a crap about any of those, but. They get votes by making that the issue, so they make that the issue, and they run on it, and they win. However, with Roe v. Wade, nobody was talking about gun control anymore. Everybody was talking about abortion, and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Republican women were saying that they were very, very concerned about Roe v. Wade. They were very, very unhappy about Roe v. Wade getting overturned, and it was it was really looking dangerous uh, for the Republicans in the coming elections if they were going to get taken to the cleaners on this issue of abortion. And nobody was talking about guns. Everybody was talking about abortion. And, you know, it's just if you stop for two seconds and think about it, you'll say, oh, hell yeah, that sure in hell is right. And now, miraculously, nobody, even was the last time you saw an article about Roe v. Wade, it's gone. And all anybody is talking about is guns. And guns is the issue that the Republicans went on, and it's why that's what they run on. 
And right, they don't run on it because they're stupid. They run on it because they win running on it. And this shooting has turned that debate now. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop a second, John. Stop a second. The election is many many months away. Okay, we're we're many months away from the election. This shooting will dominate Uh, headlines for a few days, and reverberations will be felt for a few weeks, Uh and it'll be forgotten. And how is that going to change anything regarding the abortion issue? Well, it did change it. What happened? Who cares? What? Yeah, I mean, it it didn't (laughs) change it. You know, you're you're predicting the future, and you know, go ahead, predict the future. I, I'm not willing to predict the future. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next. Well, the Supreme Court's going to issue its Roe v. Wade overturning decision, and that's going to garner all the headlines, and nobody will even remember the June, word you voted. July, August, September, October, five months. Um, well, I hope that that's <laughs> well. So what you just said is that there's going to be another shooting. That this is only the first. No, what I'm saying is that your whole theory doesn't make any sense. And this is one of the many reasons why it doesn't make any sense. Well, only only from the point of view of the timing, you're saying the timing's wrong. People will have forgotten about it by the Well, election. yeah, yeah. You see, if this had happened like a week before the election, I would say, you know, John, you might be onto something. But since it didn't, well, I don't see how you could be, among other, you know, there are other reasons, like too. I, this is just one. I'm never, I'm never comfortable with predicting the future, but let's w- watch this. Aren't the Democrats going to be under enormous pressure to do something? I mean, that's the big knock on the Democrats is they, you know, they talk a good line, but they never accomplish anything. They're going to be under enormous pressure to accomplish something, right? To, 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 you know, you got Biden standing up and saying he's sick of it. And, you know, given all these, these speeches that are either hot air or they're not. And if he doesn't do something, they're hot air, and that's a knock on him and the Democrats. And if he does do something, he thank you very much. He's right because that's not going to happen in a day or a week or a month. That's going to take several months, and the whole time, the entire time that the Democrats are fighting to get something done on guns, they will be promoting the gun issue, which the Republicans win on, and they will be pushing the abortion issue out of the headlines. But you're, it's an interesting, you know, what you're saying is very interesting. Right? Yeah. So, so anyway, let, let's let's set that aside. But, so but it's I, in my, the future. my timing argument is just one one argument for this particular shooting. But in general, I'm well, skeptical okay. about the idea that the gun control debate so heavily favors the uh, Republicans and the abortion debate so heavily favors the Democrats. When in fact, the poll data on both is pretty similar. They're a- actually the pro-choice, the so-called pro-choice majority, isn't really that pro-choice. That is, the vast majority of people agree that abortion should be banned after X point in the pregnancy. Almost, It's almost unanimous. It's up to like 80, 90 percent agree. And it's just where they put that. So the, the majority pro-choice sentiment is actually pretty flexible in terms of all of these various subcategories of what kinds of abortions should be banned and what kinds shouldn't be banned. So it's not a cut and dried pro-choice thing where the whole country is pro-choice by any means. And with the guns, uh, the the sentiment for for the kinds of gun control the Democrats want to pass, which, by the way, would not help prevent school shootings, uh, is, is not any greater. So, I mean, there's there's no like it's not like the people are so clearly, uh, you know, in oh. favor of the Democratic position on abortion and against the Democratic position on gun control. It's the people are about the same on both issues. So why does one help and the other one doesn't? Well, 
you'll pardon my saying so, but you know, it, I have enormous respect and admiration for, for you. If you want to argue that abortion is not a Democrat issue and gun rights is not a Republican issue, you can go ahead and argue that, but I'm, you're not going to well, get me to engage it depends which state. In, in I mean, that argument. It depends which state. Engage. In, in, in New York or it, California. But, well, listen, it depends on a lot of things. It's just not like you can't have an intelligent discussion about it. But in, with the broad strokes, if in broad strokes you want to argue that abortion is not the Democrats, what, what they're planning to win in November with, and that gun control is what the Republicans are planning to win with in November, it, you can go ahead and say that. But you won't get me to in, engage well, in an I, argument about it. I don't know. And, I mean, I, I just I, I need to the burden of proof is on you for claim making these claims, which I, I don't really see any evidence for. <laughs> well, well, well I, I, me and The New York Times think that, that you're talking stuff and nonsense. It's that, you know, this is these are given. These are things that are so well established that you, you have to be it's frivolous to argue about them. But listen, there's there's one. Let me tell you one more story about uh, Uvalde. And okay. and reporters, well. And we, so we'll have some time to kill, right? Uh, well, we have about five minutes left. I just got an email from Eric Zeus, uh, so he's not going to be on tonight. Uh, he, he got offended when I disagreed with his Second Amendment thing. But, I mean, the main issue was he needed to let you finish what you were saying, and he, he kept trying to barge yeah. in and take up all the time. So, so like, he's, he's really – I'm getting annoyed at him. He's messing him. with my radio show. He stupidly left his phone <laughs> off the hook last week. The reason we couldn't call him last week was this – I, I shouldn't say a bad word about Eric. He's okay. actually a, a very smart guy, well, <laughs> but he left me, his phone off the hook and he didn't realize it. And he kept emailing me angry emails about why wasn't I calling him? Well, <laughs> nobody wants to hear about that. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you some people want to hear about, which is that John Kennedy Jr.'s plane goes down, and they delay the search for 15 hours. And then there's a press conference the, that the Pentagon takes over, and the people who talked to the Head of the Coast Guard News Department, Todd Bergun, and Bergun told him that Kennedy had contacted the tower, and Bergun's in the Coast Guard, and it's his job, and he's right there. And this guy from the Pentagon comes in and says, no, that didn't happen. And the reporters just go on reporting that Kennedy contacted the tower, and they completely ignore this lie that this guy from the Pentagon told. But then in the press conference with the Pentagon guy, the reporters, just one after the other, raise their hand. And keep saying, well, why aren't you searching the waters off of Martha's Vineyard? And the guy keeps telling this lie that we don't know where the plane went down. And then another report, Martha Radich, I'm remembering her name, Martha Radich, I think she's from ABC. And she says, I have this report in my hand. It's a radar report from five o'clock in the morning, seven hours ago, saying the plane went down. You don't have this radar report? <laughs> and, you know, the guy tells the best lie you can think of, which is not very convincing. But so... At in Uvalde, one of the reporters raises their hand and says, this guy was a high school dropout. He had a part-time job at Wendy's. He went and bought two of the most expensive automatic weapons that you can buy. Where did he get the money? You want to guess what the response is? Um, he saved up his he pennies for his Wendy's card. job. <laughs> oh, there you he go. He had a debit card. That was the answer. He had a debit card. And, a credit and card, the, I would buy, uh, but a debit right? card. Well, he mm. couldn't. He how did how would he have gotten a credit card? Being a dropout with a part-time job at Wendy's, you can't get a credit card. 
Let's well, the, credit you know, these days, credit card, buy these guns. Some of the credit card companies are actually pretty lax on their standards, but still, that is kind of uh, bizarre. So, so there are a lot of anomalies oh, here, for sure. We, you see, now hang on. The anomaly isn't so much that the anomaly is that the cop gave that kind of a total crap answer. Mm-hmm. And he said, what? How, how can you think? Are, are you retarded? How can you think that's an answer? And anyway, so you see what I'm saying. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and so he, on he and goes on, out and I, buys these, these fancy assault weapons and all this ammo. And I mean, if he, if he just like set off for a Manlooker Carcano rifle, a cheap Italian rifle, that'd be different. But he actually was pretty well armed here with, with assault uh, rifles and ammo. And had, uh, that does raise questions. 70. He had 70 maximum capacity magazines full of bullets. Well, they don't give those away. And he had 70 of them, seven zero magazines. He left half of them in the car. He left I understand the, the, the prices of, the price of, of ammo were way up, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and he bought them last week. There's a, I've seen a lot of confusion. Oh, he bought them months ago. I've seen stories that he bought them months ago. He didn't turn 18 until last week. And he immediately, the day he turned 18, he went out and bought these guns with money that he didn't have from his grandparents, who certainly wouldn't have given him money to go out and buy guns and said so anyway. But so there's all these sorts of anomalies. Oh, Anderson Cooper interviewed this cop on the scene, right? He was a sergeant. But he was from Uvalde, and Anderson Cooper interviewed him at length about how the cops had interdicted this guy. You know, he shot his grandmother. His grandmother, I read in the L.A. Times that she called 911. The neighbors saw him having a shouting match with his grandmother, carrying weapons, getting in the car. His grandmother is bleeding and my son concluded that the neighbor called 911, which is a very, <laughs> very reasonable conclusion. But the, the point is that it's unthinkable that, that 911 hadn't been alerted before the guy got down the street from his grandmother's house. So that Anderson Cooper uh, interviews a guy who um, says that, yes, they, they, they engaged the, the shooter when he arrived at the school. And I spent six hours, and I'm a pretty good researcher, trying to find Anderson Cooper's interview with Sergeant Eric Estrada. Let me see if I can remember that name. Anyhow, I'm not making that up. <laughs> the sergeant's okay. name is Eric Estrada. And, but you can't find the interview. They've, they've, they've gone it the way that they've gone. It's already um, memory hold? Wow. It's that was already memory hold. It didn't well, somebody happen, better uh, dig it up and preserve it. It's too late. Well, I'm telling you, I spent six hours. I, I, you know, I was on YouTube and, and Twitter and every other alternative. Uh, well, so in your audience, there you go. Um, but so I would like to I'll, I'll give you the guy's name. I would like to hire a, an operative to go to Uvalde and contact these parents and say that these guys, right? That they're one, there needs to be an investigation of who the hell it was who called into the window Two, 
the person who was in charge of those 19 cops who got them to to ignore their sworn duty, that guy should be named and he should be prosecuted and he should be sued for billions of dollars. And I want to send an operative to Uvalde to try to organize that and make it happen. And if anybody in your audience wants to send you the money, um, I want to, you know, I'm in LA. I need to buy somebody a plane ticket and a hotel room and, you know, it'd be some kind yeah, of. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a really good um, idea, John. That That is a hundred times or a thousand times better idea than sending Jim Fetzer and Wolfgang Helbig to Sandy Hook, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now. I, Fetzer has done some great past, right? All praise and glory. The guy has earned respect for the he's he's the first guy to say that the Zucruta film was altered. He's ten years in front of anybody else. Yeah, he but he, he didn't really get he didn't get a smoke, to say he didn't get a smoking gun in Sandy Hook would be an understatement. Oh well, maybe maybe you can get a, a, a smoking gun in Uvalde. So uh, we will uh, ask well, our listeners about that. People can contact me if anybody is interested in organizing some kind of a fact-finding expedition here to go there and and see if we can drum or, up support. Or if they want to send you a if they want to send you a check, they could send me a check. Maybe I'll go with John. John and I will go to Uvalde, Texas. Uh, if any listeners want to send us a check, get in t- contact on truthjihad at gmail Back in the next hour uh, with an even livelier, crazier hour. We're debating Sterling Harwood. He thinks Joe Biden's doing a good job. I don't think so. All right. Thank you, John. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com.